I think I think you told me once that you don't burp. I don't ever. Burp. No. Yeah, but you just said you did. Well, it's not. I should specify. Sometimes <laughs> in my life I've burped, but it it always catches me off guard. And I I when I started when I was in my like late teens and I actually started to real burp. You know where it's like and like it comes out. I the first yeah. time it happened, I thought I was gonna. I was like, well, this means I'm gonna vomit. So I ran to the bathroom. It wasn't what it was. It was a burp. But I do the, I do a hiccup burp. It's, I call it. So it, it like the burp gets into where my Adam's apple is, and then it's like a yeah. bubble pops, but nothing actually comes out. It just is more like a hiccup than anything. Huh. That's why I'm like a fucking seagull. If you give me enough things that make people burp, I'm just gonna I'm gonna like get really bloated and probably die. Everyone to Bad Band Mates. I am Nate. I'm Josh. And that is Josh. <laughs> I cut you off. What? I cut you off. Okay. Well, that's Josh. Cutting cutting down everybody since nineteen ninety. Hey, you know my birth year. I guessed. Um so <laughs> <laughs> uh today. Kind of a a free fro free fro. <laughs> uh, if I can speak, free form. Free episode. Frodo. <laughs> free Frodo, dude. That's my bad band name. Um, so on today's episode, it's a little bit more free form. Uh, I don't know. I came up with this stupid idea of musical comfort food. You know what's that band that makes you feel like you know the feeling of going home or having a meal that's like brings you back to being with your parents or your your grandparents or that feeling of of homecoming and comfort you know mm-hmm. what's bands or or a band or albums that bring you to that place so this album this album, this episode, I can, I haven't even had anything to drink, and I'm just like <laughs> messing up all. The, Maybe all that's the what place. the problem is. Maybe you need it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, pusher. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pushing it. It was I was brainstorming. <laughs> um. So, I don't know. It's kind of a whatever idea. Um. And I I think it would be a little bit fun just to. To almost give musical background of what we, because uh, it's going to be heavy nostalgia. Yeah, I mean that's let's just say that right off the bat. So, Josh, what do you what do you think about my dumb ideas? I think your dumb ideas are good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that's the end. No, when you told me this, I don't think that the way that you described it, I had a different viewpoint. Okay, which is fine. It ends up being the same thing, but I pictured it like. Like in COVID, for instance, everything sucks and I hate everyone. So I like to listen. Well, not everyone, everything right now. So I like to listen to music that takes me back to a simpler time. Yeah. Like when I'm driving around inhibiting in my fucking like my mom's Jeep with my two friends listening to whatever band made me really happy at the time. Yeah. So like you said, heavy nostalgia. And that's, you know, 
if we're being candid, the only new music that I really consume anymore is mostly because of you. I don't really go out of my way and find bands often now. I listen to what is now considered classic rock, which is unfortunate, the yeah. majority of the time. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of balance out, even out to ending up in the same location, uh, are descriptive, so... I mean, first things first, you know, what is that sort of band or bands that um, take you back to a simpler time? Uh, Josh, I kind of have, I, I wrote down too many bands. Yeah, <laughs> so, me too. I actually had to stop myself from adding to the list because I was like, this is getting fucking dumb. It's getting yeah, dumb. It's, it's out like of control. Six hour episode. Just listening yeah, it, this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep everything short and sweet, and just give a background on uh, why I think this band t- or this album or you know whatever takes me back to a simpler time, or a time of uh, nostalgic uh, comfort. Do you so, have, do you have like an all time number one that you're thinking of? I would say yeah, just because of it's been throughout my entire life oh. um and that that it kind of brings me to the place but the the journey of that band uh was a little bit of a it was a rocky start but then there's a reason behind it and then i grew to basically love that band uh wholeheartedly through and through uh and i think we'll get there and i i think i'll save that for the end but is um, it hinder? <laughs> Dang, dude, you got it. You got it. I fucking knew it. No, it is not. Um, oh. So I don't know if you want to start out. Just I, I don't know if we're going to have like top five nostalgic comfort food bands. It's just so hard to pick. It's so hard to pick. It is. I think this is going to be squirrely. Oh, and, for sure. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Some of the bands that I'm going to talk about. I mean, we've talked about before on this podcast so i mean you'd probably be familiar with some of them because the reason i've given josh some of the albums as swaps is because they're so important to me so mm-hmm. anyways i don't know josh hit me up i have a number one of all time i guess okay but i'm not gonna tell you that right now i'll wait for you for that too but the first one that i wrote down is i don't know this might surprise you okay prince Okay. Were you expecting that? Not at all. Like yeah. not even nowhere so close. So I was going off of when I when I thought about like n- nostalgic ties. I have a lot of bands that I listened to when I was young, but Prince has been in my life since I was like a, as young as I can remember because my parents grew up in Minneapolis and my mom was not obsessive. I don't want to say obsessive because that's the wrong <laughs> word, but she really liked Prince. And when they yeah. lived in the Twin Cities, she enjoyed going to, you know, to First Avenue or to Electric Feet, a certain spots that Prince dwelled in. Or even, the, I forget what the bar is called, but whichever, whichever bar Prince owned, he owned another one somewhere in, I think it was in Dinky Town, maybe. I don't remember. Not too so, sure. So I, I grew up on, on Prince, and Prince's, like Purple Rain, I could put on in the worst of moods, and it's like my entire day turns around. 
Absolutely. I just, I love, I love everything about it. I have no nostalgic ties to Prince. I know, you like, told me what, that. Whatsoever. I, it's kind of weird, right? Because we're both from Minnesota. I mean, Prince is... Obviously, there are other musical icons from Minnesota, but I feel like Prince is kind of like at the peak of of like musical icons from Minnesota. I mean, you he could is. say Bob Dylan, too, and like stuff like that. The but. only thing with Bob Dylan is where we're from, because we're from the town that he was born in, he was so forced into my face when I was younger. Like, I love Bob Dylan. I have a respect for him, but I don't go out of my way to listen to him. Only because it was shoved in my face so hard, and he didn't like anybody where he didn't like any of us. He was <laughs> yeah. not a fan of us. Yeah. And they idolized him in the town that we're from, and it made no fucking sense. Like, you have a restaurant named after him, but he hates you. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that as far as icons go musically, I think also Prince, it, Prince is at the top of the mountain. I think Prince is also. Uh, more accessible mm-hmm. than Bob Dylan is <laughs> musically, yeah, right? Because definitely. you you got Bob Dylan, hey, dude, dude, you know, and it's Johnny's like, okay. in the basement mixing up the medicine. That was a horrible impression. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, Prince is um, Prince is as iconic as it gets, and I it actually surprised me when you told me that you, not that you're not a fan, but that you don't have like a nostalgic tire or as much of an appreciation because. Like the high, one of the highlights of my life was playing First Avenue in the entry, and it was yeah. pretty much solely because Prince. Like it's yeah. just because Prince. Like I want to play there because I, you know, I've seen Purple Rain and 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 Prince made First Avenue as iconic as it is, and seeing his fucking gold star walking down the hallways to get paid from playing a show on the same stage that he played on is just that was a life making event for me. Definitely. And so he's followed me from when I was three years old all the way until now when I'm 30. I'm old. Yeah. Not, not yeah to you're old, but yeah. Well, yeah to, <laughs> yeah to both. Uh, yeah. I Prince has always been like one of those uh, artists that I, I always want to do a deep dive. I just, um, I listened to uh, Purple Rain in 1999 and stuff like that and but it's always been kind of passively. It's never been like sitting down and actually listening. It's just been yeah. in the background, whatever. And he really, so he has, he has the hits that every, like everybody knows raspberry beret or little red Corvette, but yeah. he, he really has, it, he has such an expansive music collection and it, yeah. it covers so many different, I don't know, varieties of his style that they're really there. He's one of those artists where there is something for everybody and like you may say that you've heard Prince before and you know his radio hits, but you really don't know anything about Prince until you deep dive. And I think that's where the the love connection would come in for somebody yeah. like yourself, too, because like 1999 and, and Purple Rain are great songs, but I wouldn't say that they're his best songs that he has. Sure. I mean, okay. the motherfucker wrote last thing he wrote. Uh, what's the Morris Day in the Time song? Jungle Love, uh, I think. Uh I, I think it's I, I think it's Jungle Love by Morris Day in the Time. I'm pretty sure Prince wrote that, and he wrote another one like Manic Monday or some shit. The guy's just he's a genius. I, yeah, I think he's one of those artists where he kind of had a hand in uh, writing up quite a few yeah uh, things that you'd be like, 
Oh, Prince wrote that? Okay, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> so kind of one of those types of artists. It's, al- yeah. it's almost like he could write hits that he didn't think were good enough for himself, but were still hits. Yeah, yeah, which exactly. Is but this isn't an episode about Prince, so let's move on to one of yours, Nate. Okay, um, well, I might as well get this one out of the way. I mean, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, of course. as a band, they there's something about them where no matter what I'm doing or where I'm going, if I'm taking a walk, if I'm driving, if I'm sitting, you know, playing video games, if I'm passing time i i'm there there is an album that i can just throw on in their catalog that i'll be happy i'm just it's just i mean they have 16 or whatever so i mean there's something any mood i'm feeling i can find something to throw on and so them as a band are just so comforting because i just love pretty much everything they've done and so seeing them live in 2019 was like such a incredible moment uh of just i don't know transcending to like this status of like holy smokes like these guys are absolutely incredible musicians and i just love everything they do and so i've gushed about king gizzard too much um in the <laughs> in every episode but <laughs> I had to mention them because they are comfort food for me. I respect just, it now. After listening yeah. to Fishing for Fishies and Paper Mache Dream Balloon, <laughs> those albums are great. And I'm sure they have others that are good. I've only listened to four. So I, I respect your choice. I will no longer make fun of that band. Yes. But that, I mean, like I said, that's all I got to say about them because I just, any any mood I'm in, I, I, I know that there's an album I can just throw on. And so I, I just love them. And if you've listened to us this thus far and you haven't listened to King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard yet, I, I just highly recommend giving them a chance. Um, so, I mean, album recommendations, I would say Nonagon Infinity, that was kind of their breakout one. Um that's more garage rock psych rock stuff uh fishing for fishies is blues rock uh mm-hmm. sort of um blues rock paper mache dream balloon for those like acoustic sounding stuff um there's a a prog rock album that they did called polygon duana land and there's a throwback thrash metal album called infest the rat's nest so i mean that's only like what five albums I talked about just then. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more. So something for everyone, even Josh, yeah. uh, as much as he hated them, found something he liked. Turns so. out I don't hate them. I just don't like the first two albums I listened to. <laughs> yes. So that's all I'll gush about King Gizzard. So Josh, what do you got next? I'm going to bring it back. Well, not that okay. far. Uh, let me actually see the year. 2005. Around the 2005 okay. time frame. Uh, I don't think I've ever talked about this band on the podcast, but one that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's ba- it's an emo band, but The Spill Canvas. Okay. You ever listen to The Spill Canvas? Not to my knowledge. Oh unless there was like a... My gosh. Unless there was like a hit. Uh, is this like a... You said this was what, emo? Or? It's It's an emo band, yeah. 
that was the era for sure. Oh, yeah. definitely. And this was okay. right up my alley, dude. Okay, so couple of reasons why I chose this band. So my my first concert that I ever went to, as we've discussed, was <laughs> was Nickelback and Trap. Right. Right. Just a but, winning combination. Yeah. But my first real concert when I was eighteen of bands that I wanted to see, and both of these bands are actually on my list. Uh, the Spill Canvas opened for Motion City Soundtrack. And it was okay. at Grandma Sports Garden in Duluth, which is a relatively small club. It's like uh, maybe 500 people max capacity. And I That's highly doubt I that thinking, it was. Yeah. I highly doubt it was, it was max then. But this was the first band that I saw. And in my life, I, I don't know, I don't think I've ever said this either, but I don't like autographs. Like I'll get a signed record um, for certain artists. But sure. I would I would never go up to somebody after a show and like get something signed. I just don't like that. It's awkward. It's weird. And I imagine that they think the same way about it. But this is the first time and I think the second to last time that I've ever gone up to somebody and gotten an autograph. And I actually had the singer sign a $1 bill that I had because that's all I had on me. But I love them so <laughs> okay. much. I used to, when I started playing music, I, and it was around this 2000 it was around 2007 or 2008 I used to sit in my my friend Ezra's house and we we'd play acoustic guitar like I'd play guitar and then we both trade off singing and it probably wasn't very good and we had like six of our friends come over and they would all sit and contently listen and his mom would be bopping around on the couch and those are just like the the strongest musical moments some of them in my life like trying mm. to get back to that and this is one of the bands the spill canvas I I ripped off all their songs and I used to play them terribly and completely wrong, but I love them so much. They have an album called Sunsets and Car Crashes, which is one of the first kind of acoustic emo that I listened to. It's just it's okay. it's great. And it's it's really it's raw sounding with very garage rocky drums that aren't mixed or produced like incredibly good, but they're just it's excellent. And then they have a little more polished of an album called No Really I'm Fine that came out in uh, two thousand seven. Which is okay. is about when I started to really get into them, but I have such a strong tie to this band, even to this day. Like there, uh, a couple nights ago, maybe a week ago, I actually watched a live stream that the singer was doing because they're they're strapped for cash. This is what they do for a living, and he he did like a three hour live stream playing like his entire catalog acoustic for his Instagram fans, and it was wow. just it was it was amazing, and it's amazing to me that they're still around, still doing it to this day, and. Uh, I, he's had, I mean, they've had some struggles with their band and, and some, some drug things happening, but they're still releasing new music. And I just, I love this band so, so much. Yeah. It kind of brings you back to that, that time of musical discovery. I love that. I'm going to have to go with, um, you know, I'm going to bring it back too, since you kind of brought it back to that sort of emo era and whatnot. I mean, I got I got to bring it back bring to it that back. time. And and this is going to be like more of a a really broad sense of that time. This isn't going to be super pinpointed. So uh, you know, let me squirrel. Um Okay. But yeah, probably around that time. I mean, early 2000s through mid to late 2000s. I mean, those were extremely formative years for my musical taste and stuff like that um i mean i was pretty young you know middle school high school stuff and i mean they're they're my brother 
uh, I become friends with this person who essentially they were into like the, the heavier music. Mm -hmm. Right. And they were kind of at the forefront of like the, the emo movement and like uh, the weird, like opera metal and like, (laughs) like, uh, just like the crazy stuff like they knew all these pop punk bands that were coming up and stuff like that um and that that person like used to come hang out at the house and stuff like that and um they would bring over just a cd case full of of cds and basically anytime they came and visited i would be like oh let me yeah let me like you know let me listen to some of these CDs, whatever. I would put them on iTunes or whatever we had back then. I don't even know if it, iTunes was around. It was probably iTunes. Shazam um, and LimeWire. <laughs> yes. And and then um, I would just consume all this music, like all day, all the time, as much as I could. And a lot of those bands, just to, just to like name a few, I mean, Silverstein... Oh, yeah. was huge for me mm-hmm. i mean great band discovering the waterfront album is like still to this day i mean i just jammed it like the other week it's still amazing and i i remember that that album in particular was just really incredible and uh you know cheesy uh you know cheesy emo <laughs> lyrics i mean a lot of like knife imagery and like blood and like you know weird sure that whole era of stuff which my parents i mean i grew up in a very christian household and they were not happy about that kind of stuff i think one of the songs is called fist wrapped in blood or something (laughs) like that uh like your sword versus my dagger i think is another track or something um you know my heroine which was like a play on like heroin like the the female mm-hmm. like uh hero but also the drug so like uh but they had this track uh, uh smile in your sleep i mean that song was incredible i mean that's the the music video they did was like uh like uh, themed around clue the Mm -hmm. the, like board game clue so they all had like green and and yellow and uh you know all the all the colored shirts and stuff like that and like there was like a murder that happened in the music videos it was was really cool um but i remember specifically that drum beat on that song which is like a kind of like the two on the hi-hat with like um which was like really fast and i couldn't comprehend it because at the time that was when I was starting to take interest in drumming and stuff like that. But that, that track I remember practicing quite a bit because it was just so it, it took a lot of effort to like, be able to like do the open, open hi-hat to close. Plus you're doing doubles time on the sticks with it. And like you're hitting the snare and I couldn't comprehend it, but I just remember being so wildly influenced by that. And then, I mean, a couple other bands, Aiden, was like another huge band for me. They had this the album Nightmare Academy, which again another like <laughs> very much uh 
I think the first track on that album is called like Knife Blood Nightmare or something like that. <laughs> like, and and it's like you know talking about somebody who's like died and the stitching of their heart is gone and it it's a silhouette that just won't heal and it's like oh my god like looking back at some of these lyrics and stuff like that are hilarious hilariously cringy but like the music of it always got me like so pumped i i think my downfall is um as a as a kid i mean i it was always the music first like the music first over lyrics i don't mm-hmm. care what they're saying you know i never really did and honestly even to this day most of the stuff i if i go back and listen to it and then i now with kind of like a understanding of lyrics and being able to understand people a, a little bit better lyric wise i kind of am like oh my god like that's what they're saying like uh <laughs> just you know a lot of it's depressing a lot of it's very downer stuff and i get why you know my parents were like well you shouldn't be listening to this stuff at you know 12 or 13 or however old i was and uh but at the same time i was like i don't even listen to the music or the lyrics i just listen to the music and the music is what influenced me heavily um i mean basically what was what was the record label uh was it uh victory records i think yeah that was like that was like a big one they they always did those like cds with the dvd in Mm -hmm. them or something like that with all the music videos that just throw on one of those from like way back in the day and like any one of those emo bands (laughs) like that were signed on i was into you know silver scene aiden just to name a you know a handful and then Hawthorne Heights, I always thought was too cheesy for me. Oh, it was I too cool to fucking, listen to. I couldn't listen to Hawthorne Heights. I couldn't. No, I, I didn't. I didn't either. I, I knew the like, whatever their like huge, is huge the song. Was. Ohio is for lovers. Is that them? Yes, I think so. I and think the so. little cut my wrist and black my eyes. Is that that one? I think. I think that it is. is exactly. And, oh my god, that yeah, couldn't yeah. be any more early two thousands fucking emo oh god god it was so bad um i always like kind of secretly liked my chemical romance um i until like recently i'm i'm like a huge fan and stuff like that i mean i i just it was like that that those kids that would like dye their hair jet black and then they would wear like the the um the like mesh like arm guards and like candy yeah and like and stuff like that but then like i actually got a hold of three cheers for sweet revenge and like i was like holy crap like this album is amazing dude and that band fucking rips live like i was never a big fan of them but holy shit i saw them open for blink 182 which in you know given the (laughs) given how bad blink 182 is it may have made them look way better than they are but they were super yeah. good live. They put on a hell of a show. Yeah. Um, so, I I mean, God, I, I could probably talk about that era for a long time, but it was just, I remember just grabbing all the CDs I could from this, from, you know, one of our, our friends and just consuming all the music I could. 
and uh that really shaped me and it and it kind of segued into me getting into really heavier music and like the metal genre and like because it, it was like that first step you heard the emo song and then like they'd have some screaming parts and then you'd be like "Ooh, well maybe i want something heavier you know they did this breakdown but maybe what if they had like double kicks and like you know stuff like that so um, so I think it was a really big stepping stone, but you throw on any album from that era. And I mean, I'm just going to get that, the, the feels, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, <laughs> I actually have other than my number one, which I want to save. Cause I have many stories to go along with them. Mm. It's going to be a longer part, but I have uh, the rest of my bands are all pretty much laid out from that era too, which is kind of okay. what I expected us to do. I don't really have a whole lot that's newer but i'll let let you i'll let you keep going i have some new i have some old um i have like maybe two two more like segments that i want to mention okay um, well since we're in that era let me lay out the ones that fall into that same same category with you uh motion city soundtrack early 2005s it for me it doesn't i mean if i could put on commit this to memory any day of the week, all day, and I, I fucking love that album. I love that band so much. That's another one that has a... They're from Minneapolis, so that that's huge to me. But I yeah. loved them endlessly before I even realized that they were from the Twin Cities. I love that band so much. Right. I still follow everything they do to this day. Uh, another one from that era is Taking Back Sunday, specifically okay. the album Louder Now. That album fucking bangs so hard and when i'm okay. driving around with my wife and we want to scream in the car and, and off key together that's the <laughs> album that i always choose it's so fucking good awesome uh the used that's another emo screaming band love the used their first two albums uh in love and death i have on vinyl downstairs and i bought their first album on vinyl too great 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 band and then in the last one in that era well, actually, two more. Brand new. I have to give them a shout-out, obviously. Of course. But we've talked about Brand New before. But another band we haven't talked about is Fall Out Boy. The first two albums that Fall Out Boy made, which I think the first mm. one came out in, I want to say it was like 2003. Yeah, Fall Out Boy, uh, Take This to Your Grave, came out in 2003. And then their second album was just a couple years later. Those two albums, again, the same emo, kind of kind of cheesy lyrics. But when we're kids, we're listening to how the music is different from like the the kind of 70s or 80s rock music that we're used to listening to that our dads or whatever listen to. And this sure. was this was just that nice change. And all of those bands, for me, probably give me the same feeling that you're talking about with Aiden and Silverstein and all those. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I mean, AFI is like another one. Oh, my God, dude. Fucking, what is that album? <laughs> Miss Murder? Yeah. I think. Oh, my God. Well, it... Uh or no it no December Underground it's called the single is December called Underground Murder. that album yes. fucking rips yeah I mean God I'm sure we could talk about that for just a long time but that just brings me back to a place of like musical discovery or like broadening the horizons yeah, a little bit and everybody you know? I'm sure everybody no matter what generation or area you're from everybody has that with with something yeah. they get these similar feelings. But I really so you get I that think, comfort of like, oh man, this was just the beginning, right, you know? Right. Better times um, is what everybody, I'm sure, looks back on. Right. Uh, okay. So, what else you got, or do you want me to go? Um, I'll let you go. I kind of threw out like a lot all at once. I'll let that digest. 
and I'll stop talking for a little bit. Yeah, I did too. So sorry. Mm. Um, actually, I hate to interrupt, but I do have one that I think that we'll both share. I think uh, okay. this is my only hip hop one, really. I mean, I have Atmosphere? others that I can add to this. Yes, Atmosphere is a, a huge one. I fucking love, love it, love it. That was that was kind of like. That was at the beginning of me getting into hip hop mm-hmm. was atmosphere because it was like, oh, this they're from Minneapolis. Um you know, uh I think when did uh When Life Gives You Lemons paint that shit gold? When did that come out? Let me look. Uh two thousand eight. Okay. That yeah, that makes sense. That that would have been right about when I was like coming into actually getting into hip-hop and stuff like that um and that album had just come out or it was their latest release or whatever and that album was just really incredible like blew me away um and i i started to get it hip-hop i started to be like okay you know i can dig on this um i think my first experience hip-hop wise though was kind of through my cousin who kind of introduced me to all, like a lot of the classics. I mean, uh, BC boys mm-hmm. and, uh, I want to say, I mean, he was showing me Minneapolis artists and stuff too. He was, he was living in like St. Cloud and, and which is close to the Minneapolis area. Um, closer than we are anyways. Um, but he kind of put me on to, a lot of these classic bands but the first one that really hooked me was called jedi mind tricks mm-hmm. which like it was all the beats the beats are what brought me into hip-hop and then it kind of just expanded from there but yeah uh not to not to go down too many rabbit trails here but yeah i mean jedi mind tricks had had this track called blood in blood out which had this amazing like 1960s sampled like russian song that that had these hard drums on top of it and it just like that is what like opened my mind to hip-hop and then you know back in our, our hometown and stuff like that i had people who were like i have the whole atmosphere catalog on cd like you know here i'll let you borrow them you can put them on itunes whatever and then I just remember being like, okay, this is the start. So, yeah, I mean, I remember getting a whole stack of, like, everything Atmosphere is done yeah. and then just ripping them. I had my – my f- Atmosphere is what got me into hip-hop, too. And what I what I like about them – or what I liked about them and I still like about them. So, God Loves Ugly came out in 2002. Yeah. And I'm, I think I heard it just a couple of years later. I had to be 14 or 15. And the reason why I was drawn to it so much is because I had heard, you know, I had heard like, uh, what's the 2001 or what is that what it's called? The Dr. Dre album. Yeah. Right. I think is what it's called. And I, you know, I heard some Eminem and more of the mainstream hip hop and I thought it was okay. And like, I, I obviously I've heard Tupac before, but atmosphere really got me into the hip hop world because it, it didn't sound like that West West coast hip hop style. Like it didn't sound so mainstream sure. to me. And still to this day, I can listen to Atmosphere, and although they're huge, like they're a fucking huge group, yeah. like they're they're big, they're they're big names. 
but it still feels like you're listening to like just somebody local to you every time you spin one of their albums. Yeah. At least that's the feeling that I get. And it, and it just gives me a feeling of, I don't know. It's like, it's like, like I could know that I could know slug personally. Yeah. And it would just be one of my buddies that's doing it. And that's my, my favorite thing about them. And I think God loves ugly is my favorite album. There's actually, and it's for that reason. Cause it's so raw and it's so rough around the edges, I guess. And it's just so yeah. real and, and raw with its emotion that I just fucking I love atmosphere. I think I think God Loves Ugly is, if not, yeah, my favorite atmosphere record. It's definitely top three. I mean, it's that was when Life Gives You Lemons was like really good, and I think it was more polished than mm-hmm. than some of the the stuff that they had done in the past. But I think that that's kind of just what hip hop was. Was it was kind of you know dusty beats with you know some drums thrown off off the top of it and. I think God Loves Ugly was like the perfect like middle ground of I don't know I, I guess what you said was pretty perfect it was a little rougher on the edges but it had these excellent beats and I think God Loves Ugly this actual song is like <laughs> I I listen to that song so much that I could probably still recite all the lyrics you know yeah that's a it's a great I can do that with uh, Fuck You Lucy. That's my okay. that's my jam off that album. But I feel you on God Loves Ugly. It's just it's they're it's so good. It's also good. It is good. But uh I don't know what else you got. I mean or do you want me to go? Go ahead. I forgot. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Um I think next for me, uh, musical comfort food is I'm gonna talk broad, but then I'm gonna kinda bring it in close, just like I did with the uh the like emo era and stuff like that. I mean, another big thing was for me, ska music. Mm. How do you feel about ska? I feel like you hate ska. Uh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> okay. I don't hate ska, but okay. I grew up with and was really good friends with and played in a band with and am still good friends with a guy who loves ska music and you know me well enough to know that if somebody likes something like a lot, a lot, a lot, I'm going to push it away just mostly out of spite. But I don't know if this counts in the ska world, but like real big fish. Yeah. There's ska. Dope band. Love real big fish. I could listen to beer every day. Great band. It's great track. Um, I, Real Big Fish is one of the groups I was going to mention, so yeah, yeah, but not the the band that I was going to mention, which was I think maybe the most influential one band in particular that's part of like the ska and punk scene that like gives me this feeling of so many like warm memories that just like come flooding back to me. Uh, is Streetlight Manifesto? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever listened to them. Yeah, I did. Not a lot. I didn't dive in because, again, I pushed Scott away, but I'm aware of them. Right. They, so, uh, I got a, I mean, they're a band that I remember hearing them for the first time, and I remember where I was and what was happening. My, we were going to a concert. I... I went to so many concerts as a kid. Like, I don't remember specifically which one, but we were going to a concert. 
the same cousin I was talking about who was putting me on to hip-hop and stuff, he also was, like, into punk and uh, ska and, like, any anything kind of like that. Um, I remember we were going to this concert. My dad was driving. My brother and I were in the in our van and I'm pretty sure my cousin was just like in the, in the like back seat, but like the trunk. And he was like playing his like MP3 player <laughs> through the speakers. And like, uh, cause there, the cord was just so long. I can't remember if it was specifically like that, but I remember being in the van and I remember driving, it was dark out and he put on everything went numb, which is the, which is, think streetlights first album i can't remember if there's anything before but it was it's the only album that i think of as first so everything went numb and i remember hearing the title you know the first track on that and being like what is this like i was like holy smokes like this band is incredible because it was it was ska they had a horn section it was very fast so they had those punk elements uh but it was very like dark and like you know how i love like my minor chords and my really mm-hmm. depressing sounding <laughs> shit and uh and like this album just like changed my life like it just <laughs> it was so good and then they came out with um another another album of their their own because so the singer used to be in Catch Twenty Two, mm-hmm. uh, which is another uh, ska band. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how the story went. And then basically they broke off, but he still owned the rights to one of the albums. So they kind of did like they did the Streetlight Manifesto's version of that album. It, it was a whole thing, but none of that matters. Um, they put out another record called Somewhere in the Between, and this record drumming uh changed my life i this was one of the the records that i um not only like had on repeat for forever i mean it just was like a a perfect time and place for me um wherever i was in my life but drumming wise this was something i played like front to back like quite often or at least attempted to because it's so like (laughs) complex and fast and it just kind of helped me uh speed up my drumming and and uh get better at my craft i guess Mm -hmm. but front to back i mean both of those albums just bring me back to a place of like it just reminds me of certain family members and certain people in my life and certain times that i feel like all are good times um and it was just like such a it just that album those albums in that band are just so incredible to me and i can't speak highly enough of them but if you dig anything ska or punk or whatever um actually i think the album is called everything goes numb let me yeah it's the album is called yeah like an idiot uh i said everything went numb but that's the that's the first track on the album the album itself is called everything goes numb um so yeah this album I can throw it on any place anytime and I just get brought back to this great place and this this band is like the definition of like comfort food for me there's so much to love about this band and uh 
A lot of depressing lyrics, but that's okay because I like that. So, <laughs> uh, I have a I have a weird one. Not a weird okay. one, but it's a little off of everything that we are doing. But, and you might be surprised by this. I don't know okay. if you know this about me, but Hall and Oates. That is really surprising. Isn't that really weird? But, dude, listen to me, though. Listen to me. Uh, what is it? Kiss on my list or your kisses on my list or whatever the fuck it's called. Sarah Smile, Rich Girl, uh, fucking Maneater, everything. It, they're so good. And I love – my wife hates it, so I don't get to listen to it often. But I love okay. Hall & Oates. They're such a fantastic group. And that's another wow. one that any mood that I'm in, I can put on hollow notes and I'm going to smile and I'm going to bop around the house or in the car or at my mom's house. My favorite thing to do is to put it on at my mom's because I know she won't make me shut it off. Right. And that pleases me when I get to listen to the music that I want to do. But yeah, hollow notes. I fucking love them. I love them so much. Wow. Was it just something you like grew up with or? No, I, I'm sure that when from the town that we're in, and Nate, you can attest to this. Their radio station is always like 15 to 20 years back from the current. <laughs> yeah, so when yeah, I was yeah. a kid, I'm sure that Hall of Notes was playing on it or wherever it is, or if I did hear it in a movie or whatever, it doesn't matter. I just really, really like Hall of Notes. I, I think it's a fantastic group. And I think that Perfect. they have, I mean, like every song that they write is a hit in my eyes. And in like yeah, most of the, I was going to say, in your eyes. Well, sure. and I'm sure some other people agree with me. You guys can write in if you agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Call actually, in. one more thing that I wanted to tell you, too. And I forgot about this. But the first band that I was in was with Ezra. We made like a little group, right? We had a MySpace yeah. page and shit. Um, we ripped off Streetlight Manifesto, and we called ourselves Suburban Streetlight. Ah. Fun fact. If anybody wants to hear it, let me know. I'll send you some of our songs. They're pretty fucking great. I want to hear it. I'll send you it. There's a song called Shade Me In that I wrote, and my wife actually has some of the lyrics that I wrote. And Nate, you'll like it. It's depressing. Uh, she has a tree drawn on it, and the words are, The outside is calling out, please kill me. It, I wrote a song about like the leaves dying and how the earth looked like it was dying at that moment, and she got it tattooed on her leg. But that, I think that might be one of the best songs that I've ever written. Which is unfortunate. Wow. Yeah. But it's actually pretty good. If you guys want to hear it, let me know. I'll send you it. It's a little plug. I want to hear it. Yeah, plug for a band that's not ever happened for 20 years. It was um, we were MySpace official, baby. Damn, till dude. Fucking, till Tom ruined everything. I was, I was going to say, Tom, he was like, heck yeah, suburban streetlight, baby. Um I have one quick one, one random one, mm-hmm. and then I'm, and then uh, I'm good for my number one. Give it to It'll me. be really quick. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Mute Math, specifically Odd Soul. Sure. I mean that that album in particular. I was living in Scotland at the time. I think it was my first like Christmas away from home. Uh, you know, I wasn't. I was just. You know, it's kind of one of those times where like you're a little, you're a little bit sad a little bit lonely because you're just like not near your family and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I remember I, I got a, like a, a, some mail from my brother and he was basically like, dude, this album, please just throw it on immediately. And, uh, and, uh, have yourself a time. And I just remember, you know, putting on my computer or whatever. And then, cause he sent the CD to me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just putting it on the computer and and throwing it on listening, and I was like floored right away. And that album in particular, the the two albums that come previously, Armistice and Mute Math, uh, are the two albums. Those those are great in their own rights, but Odd Soul. I mean, we talked about it. It, front to back i it is just incredible and it brings me back to this weird nostalgic time of being away from home for the first time and stuff like that and and just kind of like that that positive sort of warm feeling of like a family member who's like who cares enough to like reach out to you during that time where maybe no one else knows except for yourself that you're maybe sad and lonely and stuff like that but then getting something like that and then having it be this amazing in this case album that it just was a nice thing that that my brother thought to send to me so i just shout out alex you know i didn't know how important that album was i don't think you told me that when we did the episode on it or if you did i just don't remember no i didn't but that's nice and that's a good album i respect that choice and then okay i have one random one Mm-hmm. And then I got my number one, but I'll, I'll let me do my random one. Random. Um, my, one of my best friends, Mitch, and I do a podcast called Nate and Mitch Are Friends. Um, if you like to hear my voice, but like with dick jokes, um, that's <laughs> that's kind of that's the podcast for you. It's delightful. Um, you guys will love it. You should look it up. Him and I used to be kind of like the only people left in our hometown, like for like a good chunk of time. I don't, I don't know what it was. It was just like, I, I, I was doing like stuff where I was traveling a lot, and then, um, I would come home for like short stints of time and stuff like that. Uh, right, right when I kind of turned twenty one, um, him and I used to hang out together he had this like little room in his in his house i guess it was his mom's house but in his in this house and she was pretty much not there because she worked like late shifts or something like that so him and i we used to grab a six pack of beer all different like assortments and whatnot and then we would sit in this little room and we would listen to music and during that time he introduced me to a band called polyphia Polyphia has this is uh, just kind of a, a instrumentally technical band. Um, they kind of started off. They have a, a weird trajectory um, where they started off as like really technical sort of metal, and then they kind of got into like this happy sounding progressive rock uh, style. Now they have like this complete style of their own it's instrumental it's very technical incredible musicians and we've seen them twice together uh one time we got kicked out of the show because there was a flask involved i don't know i don't want to get into it um (laughs) naughty (laughs) but (laughs) it was so cartoonish dude like i just saw mitch getting like like i saw the flask being drank from and then I saw from nowhere, like a big guy just surfing through the crowd to get to him, <laughs> grabbing him by like the shirt and like crowd surfing him out of the, out of the venue. It was incredible. Um, 
But Polyphia as a band, I have this warm nostalgic tie for that specific time where it was just like me and my great friend who were just sharing music back and forth. And Polyphia was just one of the standout bands that I've listened to for forever now till this day. And so, um, their comfort food to me, I can put on any one of their albums and front to back. It is incredible. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of my weird one. Um, and more modern one, I guess a lot of these are, I mean, we could go on and on and I'm sure I could name every single band. I mean, we didn't even touch on pop punk stuff. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, yeah, we just like, we, we dipped a toe in for a second. We, we could do probably right. like 10 more of these episodes. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Maybe it'll be like a little mini series. Um, and so that was my weird one. Now, Josh, uh, what's your number one? Number I guess. One? All right. Mine might get a little lengthy. It's okay. All right. So my number one is the matches. Okay. And yep. I'm sure that you knew that that was coming, Nate. Yeah. So I'll give you guys some reference points as to why, because I don't think I've talked about the matches on the podcast either. I don't think you have, which no. is, they are, I, far and away, probably the most important band to me. Okay. I think. Okay. So 2004, the matches from Oakland, California came out with an album called Yvonne doll killed the locals. Yeah. And I heard one song off of it called chain me free and it was fine. It's a, it's a punk rock album is basically what it was. And it fit in for the time. 2004 was before the emo movement and all that. It was like right on the cusp of it. And it, right. it blended in, and I didn't really listen to it. But then in 2006, they came out with an album called Decomposer, and who ended up being my bandmate, Ryan, showed me this album. And it is, it's a, it, it's a punk rock album with, layered in with some like, uh, digital sounds that I'd never heard of in any music up to that point. It has a song that's a fucking waltz. It gets, it gets like screamy at some points. It has very pop driven songs and then it has the punk rock in it. It kind of had everything. It had everything in one album that I've never heard a band do. If that makes sense. Mm. Like I've heard certain genres and they always stick to that genre, but this band kind of hit everything and I absolutely fell in love with them. And then my few stories are, this is how long that they've been in my life and how closely tied to that they are to me musically, like with my sure. bands and everything. So in 2000, I think it was 2006 when this album came out, my wife and her friends went to see a band plus 44, which was the bassist of blink 182 and another band. And the yep. matches opened for them at first Avenue. Uh, I didn't go, but they knew that I really liked the matches. Like I was really into this decomposer album. Didn't know a lot about them. I just really liked the album, but they got me a signed copy of the, of their album. Like the matches at that point were a smaller time band. So they went mm -hmm. through the audience after or outside in the crowds of the people they were waiting and they played acoustic guitar for people and signed autographs and basically sold their band to people because they weren't very well known. Yeah. And that was my, and, and after I got that from them, which was a nice gift, they gave it to me in school as in like history class. And, and the, the girl that I dated at that time was actually friends with my wife. So she gave me the gift and she put it on my desk and I was so fucking happy. And then, so I listened to them all throughout my childhood. And then fast forward to 2003, no, 2000, 
2013 because I'm bad at time when my yep. band went to <laughs> went to LA and again we were all fans of the matches and we pulled a lot from them stylistically like a lot yeah. from them and we went right. to LA to record and at that time the matches were broken up but the singer Sean Harris had another band and he was having a small release show in this like 20 person capacity record store right in somewhere in in I don't know if it was in Hollywood or where it was but it was somewhere in LA and okay. we we uh messaged him and we were like hey we're from Minnesota can we come out to the show and he put us on the list which was really nice and again we were so we were hanging out with basically Sean Harris and like 20 of his friends like his closest friends and he was doing the small little record release and it was just right. this eye-opening moment where he was really one of my idols at the time and he actually came up to us after and was talking to us and was like, you guys are the Minnesota boys, right? And we were like, yeah. And he was like, well, you guys are here doing doing an album? And we were like, yeah, we're recording just like a couple blocks away and, and, or a mile away or two in Pasadena. It's so exciting. And he, right. he actually hung out with us and talked to us like about recording and whatnot. And that was one of those moments where I got to meet somebody that was an idol. And he actually invited us to like his after party, birthday party at his house, which we didn't go to because we didn't want to be fucking creepy. Yeah, we didn't know if he was just being nice, but we took a photo of him and he we put it we took a photo with him and we put it in our album. And then he fast Mm. forward a few years later after the matches were broken up and they were done. They did a reunion tour. This was in 2015, I think. And we drove to Chicago to go see the band. And I'd never seen them play live at this point. But again, they have they, they had so much music that was so important to me that we we decided to drive to Chicago so me and me and my wife and a, and a few of our friends drove all the, all the way out there to see him and we got to talk with them before the show and he was like how did the album go when you guys recorded it and we we got to bring him a few copies which was really exciting and i don't know if he listened to it or not but he pretended to be excited at least and he like ripped it open to look inside and check out the album artwork and then my wife that next year spent like $800 on tickets to fly to LA to go see him. So then I got to talk with them another time. And they've just been throughout my entire musical career. They've kind of always just been there like in a very literal way, whether they Mm. were, you know, whether they knew it or not, I guess they've kind of always been intertwined with how I considered my success, I guess. Or I I kind of attributed to, to knowing that band and growing up listening to them but I think that this band was so incredibly ahead of their time with what they were doing. Like in 2006, when they came out with their Decomposer album, which is my favorite album of theirs, it had so many digital nuances and different styles that no bands were doing at that time that it got overlooked, I think. And then these bands eventually came to do all the same shit that they were doing later on, Mm -hmm. like a few years later. But the matches did it before them, and they did it much, much better, I think. And I think they're one of the most discredited bands of my generation, and I think that they deserve like all the success that they never got, and it's very unfortunate. But they're also, on a side note, too, they're just the nicest fucking people. Mm. Dude, I love that. Yeah, I I did figure that they'd probably be your number one, yeah. but I still love all those stories attached to it and stuff like that, and that's... I mean, that is, like, the definition right there of, like, something that's just been with you and you can always go back to and comfort food. Yeah. That's great. I like that. Number one, um, bit of a, I mean, I don't think I've ever talked about on the podcast. Well, maybe I have. But um, 
Uh, actually, I'm sure I have. Uh, number one, I mean, I got to go with as a band, and I'm going to touch on a couple albums, but Rush. Mm. Rush is the ultimate comfort food for me. Uh, they're They're a band that, number one, maybe, at least in my opinion, the greatest rock trio that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they're just a trio and they get and they they accomplished the sound that they did, yeah, to me, always blew my mind, especially like in the formative years. I'm like, okay, so there's there's a guy playing keyboard with his foot. <laughs> and singing and playing bass at the same time. Yep. And the drummer has like a million piece set and you know and and then Alex Lifeson the guitar. So Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart. And I guess it's Peart, but I always pronounced it Pert. Um <laughs> for sake of argument, we'll just call yeah, it. Yeah, so it's it's tomato tomato. Um <laughs> but um Look, I also rest in peace, Neil, because icon, drumming icon, Definitely. god, yes, god of drumming. Um, Alex Lyson had these full guitar chords. Um, I mean, this band, all in all, like I said at the beginning, kind of a rocky start, and I'm exactly like you, where if someone tells me, "Oh, this is good, this is amazing, you need to listen to this," blah blah blah, I'm. I'm so I'm like rebellious and I'm just like nah I don't like this uh and that was my dad so like <laughs> like the, my whole life basically any car trip any car ride rush was on you know and it was like I don't I can't like you know and my dad would always be like oh you got to listen to like the drumming and like this and that and the other stuff and obviously I'm I'm in the same boat where I've taken on those traits of like being really excited about like stuff that I want to show people and and you know if you don't like it I mean obviously I was a kid. I mean this is a band that's been with me since day 1 up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um in the beginning I was like no, I don't like this. It's just not good. And then there was a switch that happened like early on in my life where I was like, okay, Rush is like maybe, maybe the greatest band that I've ever heard. Like it was just, there's, there's something that like, like I said, the, the, the fullness that they achieved and between the drumming and the guitar playing and, and the bass, it was just this total package of like perfect musicianship that, as soon as I started playing drums and stuff, I always wanted to achieve that kind of level of technicality and, and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I think there is just this moment when I just like had all the catalog like on my iPod and I was just like, okay, let me, let me just sit and listen to these albums and farewell to Kings Fly by night, twenty one twelve, moving pictures. I mean, those four albums to me are just perfect classic rock, progressive rock albums. And I could listen to those all day, every day, and and 
not be mad about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Neil is a drumming god, as I've said, an icon for me, drumming-wise, an idol, uh, to just push myself to constantly become better and better as a musician. And the tone that Getty Lee got out of his bass and the the amount of... Uh, people don't like his vocals. He's got a really high-pitched vocals, and especially early, early on, he kind of was doing the like really screechy kind of vocals and stuff like that. Um, but I like his vocals. I, I don't mind them at all. Um, Alex Lifeson, his guitar work is just so intricate I, and so beautiful. I truly believe that he might be one of the most underrated guitar players probably absolutely absolutely i i think so too i mean man i could i could gush about that band for a long time i the unfortunate thing is i never had any concert experience with them and now obviously that's um not able to happen because of neil's passing um but i think my dad owns every dvd live concert that they've ever put out and then some he's probably got like bootleg concerts like (laughs) you know that i've seen over and over. i don't know but like i it's one of those bands that that's okay i mean as much as i would love to see them live and stuff like that it's and you know maybe it's a regret of mine never seeing them but at the same time i'm okay with it because i think that I have these memories tied to it of just like going on trips or like long drives or just being with my family and like, you know, my mom being like, oh, rush again. And then like (laughs) all of us like jamming out in the car, you know? And so I don't know, man, rush is the ultimate comfort food for me because there's not a time where I couldn't put them on and just be, just take me to pretty much any point in my life i've had like rush be a a staple in it so i don't know that's all i got i guess um it's a good pick i like your choice i knew it too i I get i didn't guess it because i didn't tell you but i i kind of assumed that it was going to be rush anyways all right you got a bad band name oh shit i forgot that we do this we haven't done it in so long it's bam bam made time it's bad bam made time oh yeah Oh, we're done. I thought we were going to keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I do have one. I don't think I've used this one. You ready? Okay. You ready for it? Ready. Uh, dumpster dinner party. I like that a lot, actually. Nice, right? Well, guess what genre it is? <laughs> it's, uh, dude, um, uh, 80s hair metal, but like with dads. 100%. And you want to know why I asked you is because I didn't, you know, didn't, where, know. I didn't know where to put it. That's no. right. Yeah. But the the album for this 80s, uh, would you say hair metal <laughs> dad band? Yeah, like a throwback because yeah. they're all like in their 50s yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and 60s yeah, yeah. now. Yep, yeah. Yep. They don't have long hair anymore. They have to put wigs on because they're balding. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The album is, is called uh, Old Chinese. Old Chinese? Yeah, Dumpster Dinner Party. Old Chinese. Old Chinese. Okay. (laughs) Food. The hit single is going to be Hospital Bed. (laughs) Okay. That tells a story. Yeah. It's about food poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) 
Perfect. Okay, that one was dumb. Nate, what do you got? Um, my bad band name of the week is uh, Warm Mayo. Yuck. I know. I got the inspiration from this because... Um, <laughs> Did you have a bad dinner? <laughs> what is with us in food poisoning tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't plan this. Um, but Warm Mayo. I got the inspiration because... Um, I think my wife bought some mayonnaise and, uh, you know, when you're like bringing in the groceries and like things are just, you know, on the counters and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. For one, for whatever reason, the mayo is just kind of sitting there um, and it wasn't put away yet. And so warm mayo. Okay. I mean, it wasn't warm. It's just yeah. anyways. I got you. Um, room temperature mayo would have been a more accurate. Yeah, because when you say warm mayo, I think of, you know, you know when you buy like a burger and they say that there's mayo on it, and then you get yeah. it and the mayo is like hot inside. I always worry about like, well, is that safe to eat? I think more than more than regular mayo. Yeah, I think it's more more safe. Okay, I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, so warm mayo. Um, uh, do do you know what kind of genre this band is? Yeah. It's street hop. That's yep, exactly right. I can't believe you you guessed that mm-hmm. because I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the album title is called. Uh, what does that genre mean? What is it? I don't what know. It? I thought you were gonna just picked a couple words and put them together. <laughs> All right, you decide. Uh, the album <laughs> title is <laughs> Why don't you spread that? It's so sexual. It's so sexual. <laughs> but their band name is Warm Mail. Why don't you spread that? Warm Mail. It, but it's so sexual. Okay, maybe I should come up with a different name. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> Okay, so so uh the the single off that album is actually the the title of the album. So why don't you spread that but in parentheses oh, whoops. No, I didn't mean why don't you spread I didn't mean why don't you spread that but I meant, I, meant, I was trying to add on another sentence. This is my favorite one. <laughs> I did not mean that. Uh, Yeah, well, whatever. It was a happy accident. I guess we'll just leave that. Oh my god, I'm crying. (laughs) I was trying to add another sentence. Okay. So, uh, this has been Bad Band Mates. (laughs) And uh, what a journey it's been. Uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, Album swap? Yeah. Let me catch my breath. 
from my list, uh, I, I've been wanting to give you this uh, album for a while, actually, and this was a, a great way to segue it in, but um, I'm going to give you Polyphia, New Levels, New Devils. Cool. I can do that. So I'm going to give you Decomposer by The Matches. Okay. If I if I don't like it, that's fine. please don't no, that's hate fine. That's or fine. whatever. That's fine. I know it's important to you. I just. <laughs> it's fine. I can tell you right now that I don't like all four of those Rush albums. Yeah. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. So, New Levels, New Devils by Polyphia and Decomposer by The Matches. Yeah. That's our swap. And this has been Bad Bandmates. And, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know what it is. I'm, uh, search our name and you'll probably find us somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can tell that it's us. Because there's a picture of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and with that, <laughs> that's it. We'll see you next week.